0: Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 548. All right, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, my online courses and workshops and the Trauma Therapist Newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at the traumatherapistproject.com. That's the traumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. All right, folks, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Very excited to have his mic us today, Ellie Weinstein. Ellie, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here.
0: All right, man. So when Ellie was 19, he says that he had little to no confidence in being himself. While studying abroad, he took a Dale Carnegie course about public speaking and self-esteem building. That course helped him break out of his shell and learn what it truly meant to be himself. As he says, the rest was history. After working for a teen youth organization for seven years in both the New York and West Coast area, he went to Fordham University School of Social Work, where he received his LMSW. And He's now a practicing social worker. It's his passion and life goal to help people feel happy, confident, fulfilled, and powerful in their everyday life. Ellie has gone on to create Elevation, which I love that word, by the way, we're using that a program that focuses on public speaking, confidence boosting, relationship coaching, mental health, general motivation and inspiration. And he's also been featured on the Kelly Clarkson show. Our brother, welcome man.
1: That was a deep dive into my website bio right there. Yep. <laughs> you no, know, I have an updated one of like uh, being an LCSW and a podcast host. But yeah, that's basically the gist of it. You know, when I was younger, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself because of my diagnosis of ADHD. It kind of threw me off a lot. But over the years, learning, growing as a person, I found skills that I knew I can translate to other people, which is why I became a therapist. And now I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I have a private practice, work at a group practice and doing the best I can, you know?
0: Okay. All right. We're done. I'll see yeah. you next time. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> before, before I want to dive in, but before we get there, share with the listeners where you're from originally. And where uh, you're originally from, from Long now. Island, New York. Okay. Still where in Long there. Island?
1: Uh, Nassau County, West Hempstead. Nice.
0: Okay. Nice. I used to, I used to, well, I'm from New York originally used to live in Long Island. So um, awesome. That's how we're connected. Nice. 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 All right. So let's, well, let's dive into it. So, you know, when you were younger, you said you just didn't feel like yourself. How did that manifest for you? What What was that like?
1: Well, it was a, it was a weird place to be because I thought I knew that I was confident. Like I felt I was confident. I, I had a lot of social skills. I was out there, but really I, I wasn't. It was all in my head because in reality, that was, it was too much for people. Um, I didn't understand the balance of social cues and how to navigate picking up on people's um, emotional vibes that they were trying to let me know that, hey, you're a lot right now. You're interrupting me or all these kind of things. So I thought I was, I was in the right. Uh, and through therapy, um, really understanding, taking a backseat perspective, of my ADHD and where it kind of got me, I've learned to take it as a superpower to be able to understand where to put my energy and where to kind of step back my energy to let someone else shine. Mm -hmm. So it was a fun experience, a hard experience, but it's, uh, it's been a long road and I'm here now.
0: Okay. So what age are we talking about when that started for you? Oh,
1: I I was diagnosed ADHD, like eight or like seven or eight. Eight. Okay. I was always like jumping and dancing and all over the place, energy, up the roof, I was all over the place, and uh, my teachers would say that I was always dancing and singing in class. Um, I had a lot of energy. It was a it was a good time, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh, I really really thank my parents for their patience as a kid.
0: You know, they just remind me of this. Um, uh, uh, great TED talk. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was one of the most downloaded TED talks. Okay, yeah, Sir Ken Robinson. Oh, Sir Ken Robinson. Sir Ken Robinson. His first TED talk he talks about this woman. He talks about, he's a big, well, he recently passed away, amazing dude, but he uh, was really a champion for education and creativity and education mm-hmm. and the way that we as a society and as a world educate people. Yeah. And he shares this one story of this uh, dancer who was getting into a lot of difficulty at school, wasn't uh, being able to pay attention and so forth. And this dancer, she has a story that her mom took her to see this doctor and her mom was really nervous and everything and describing kind of what you're describing about bouncing off the walls. And the, the, the doctor said, you know what, let's just, just uh, leave. Uh, we'll call her uh, Lisa, Lisa in the room. The girl was like, I think a nine or 10, let's leave, leave her here for a second. Let's just step outside. And the mom and the doctor stepped outside and um, before they left, the guy turned on the radio and they watched her through the window in the in the door and she started dancing. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's a dancer. She's not yeah. sick, she's a dance and it was beautiful. So you talked about you know, making this your superpower and I really I don't know I just really appreciate that.
1: Well, yeah, because sometimes you know I work a lot with kids, uh, teenagers really specifically, and that mentality of parents of coming in saying, my kid has X, Y, and Z, or he's had a struggle with X, Y, and Z, or this is the diagnosis that another person has put on him, fix him, solve him, solve right. her, fix her. <laughs> and um, for all therapists who are listening, we get that a lot, like fix my child. Right. And sometimes it's really about the therapist sitting there and and watching and observing and seeing past whatever that CPT code is or whatever that diagnosis kit is or whatever that that label on a child or that teenager, or even the adult's. And to look past it to kind of see them for who they are. And one of the things, you know, I, I am certified in trauma-focused CBT, and I do work a lot with trauma, and I, I know I can say this here, I love working with trauma, um, because a lot of it is looking past the trauma, like right. seeing the person for who they right. are, not because of their trauma, which is sometimes hard when uh, you don't know how to do that. So it has right. taught me to see past someone. I even eventually went into like a boy's, I was in like a, a boy singing group. For a male, um, um, for about four or five years, where I traveled America and the world a little bit um, to sing and dance, like I, I use that energy to do that. Nice. And now, as a father, I sing and dance with my daughter all the time. So, like, I utilize that that energy that I have for hopefully good, um, and has taught me to kind of look past someone's maybe symptoms that we see on the outside, but what's what's really inner.
0: Nice, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. All right, so you, um, get diagnosed at a young age you had these challenges. What, at what point were you, did you go to therapy? You started oh, therapy throughout,
1: throughout, since throughout. I was like eight or nine. Um, uh, I was on medication, you know, Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, Vyvanse, all the, wow. all the, uh, medications, okay. trying the different combinations eventually stopped when I was in college. Um, because I felt I didn't need it. And I learned how to kind of balance and, and deal with it on my own in a healthier way. Not that I'm and saying that medication's wrong. If it's for you and you're still util- utilizing it and it's helping you, good for you. I just felt that I didn't need it anymore and learned how to be able to handle it um, differently. It doesn't mean um, it doesn't creep up sometimes. It doesn't mean that ADHD doesn't kind of get in the way sometimes of my life, my thought process, my brain, um, getting things done, organizing and stuff of that nature. Um, but it was uh, a long journey to kind of learn what I needed for myself to be able mm-hmm. to balance for me.
0: And when you, did you go to college specifically to become a therapist?
1: Uh, I went to undergrad at Turo university uh, just for um, majoring in psychology, but eventually went to Fordham grad school specifically to be a, uh, to be a social worker. Yeah. an LCSW okay. to, to how eventually you, get my LCSW.
0: Okay. Now lead us through, talk us through how things unfold such that you wanted to work with kids and realize that.
1: So I don't specifically work with kids. I work with—I like to work with teenagers and young teenagers. adults. Okay. Uh, kids scare me, uh, even though I love children, <laughs> and I'm a parent myself. I struggle with my skills being able to, uh, I'm not certified in play therapy and all those other kind of therapy styles. So I'm not really well-versed okay. and don't have the confidence to deal with younger children.
0: Okay. I apologize. Um, I misspoke. No, to no, no, it's teen, fine. Teens.
1: Yeah. But in a non-therapeutic sense, I'm great with kids, you know, I, I'm fun. I, I sit down and I play, I connect on their level, but as a therapist, I don't have that same feeling, but definitely with teens and young adults, um, it's funny when I was in grad school and people would ask me, what do you want to be your specialty? Like, what do you want to go into? And I said, trauma is part of it, relationships. And um, I love doing marriage and relationship work. And I also love teens and young adults. And they all thought they're like, what is wrong with this guy? Teens, who wants to work with teens? And I love working with teens because it's such an iconic time in someone's life to learn skills to help them for their future. As parents, that's what we're doing. We're educating for our kids to be adults. Right. So as a therapist, to be able to be there with them as an objective, healthy role model, a healthy viewpoint, a healthy mindset to help them kind of grow on that journey is something that I find is an unbelievable experience and an honor for me. It's not so easy, but uh, it's very hard at times. Um, but it is an experience that I love. And Same thing for young adults, like that college age kind of maturity level to be able to go further in their life.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been doing that working with teens specifically
1: five mm-hmm. years or so okay. as, And as a therapist fi- around five years I worked at a youth organization um, where I was a uh, part of a team where I would run events um, it was a religious organization I uh, run events and kind of things um, in that nature to kind of give teenagers a safe space to go to feel comfortable to have social settings um, for about seven years. And, and uh, yeah, it was fun times, but that wasn't as a therapist. That was just uh, a side job or a hustle kind of thing. That so
0: I, you've been doing this for for a while—five yeah. years is a is a good chunk of time. Share with us, Ellie, if you can, a, a a gold nugget of what you've learned in working with teens. For example, maybe you started off thinking, "All right, I'm going to do this or yeah. be this way," and now you realized you know, something else.
1: I definitely, the two things that I've learned is that I have to let the teenager kind of set the pace. Um, Because a lot of times parents and educators are trying to force or push a certain narrative for what they want the teens to do. And therapy is supposed to be a comfortable zone where they feel that they have the power in the relationship to be able to make them feel comfortable. So really it's about letting them lead. It's letting them um, kind of, instead of me as a young therapist, I used to like jump in and try to talk and try to get them and push them and, you know, shape them and whatever words you want to use to kind of get them to talking. Um, but really, I had to kind of take a step back and wait to give them that space to be able to um, join in in the process and, and buy in to the therapy right. process. The second thing is really how to handle parents. Um, and that's a hard thing that is part of working with teens is, parents Mm -hmm. uh, and how to balance that parent kind of style of being able to sometimes bring the parent in or to do parent individual sessions on parenting because sometimes that can Mm -hmm. be part of the problem or the issue for the teenager and uh, the third thing I would say is don't try to be cool or hip like that doesn't work they see right through that garbage they see right through all the words you're trying to use and the lingo you're trying to figure out just be yourself and be as authentic because that matters to teenagers a lot more. Whether they call you a weirdo or nerd or you're old or whatever word they might use to joke around and make fun, but don't try to be something you're not because teenagers are so amazing at reading past that right. And seeing right through you and you're going to lose their respect.
0: Was that, is that a mistake you made when you were starting out?
1: No, I just something I've learned the lessons I've learned right. over the years of working teens. It's like, I, as uh, my position when I was in the youth organization, I was higher up in the youth organization. I would train the advisors, the volunteers, the college kids who were helping with the teenagers. And I would notice that they would, and I did this also when I first started, I would dress a certain way and act a certain way and talk a certain way. And sometimes when you just threw all that away and you just connected mm-hmm. with a teenager and just talked to them like a person, talk to them like an adult, talk to them like a grown up and not like a baby. Um, and I've gotten that a lot where I've had teenagers, when they come to therapy, they say like, don't do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. My last therapist literally gave me handouts for children. Like I Mm -hmm. don't, I'm not a child. I'm a teenager. I'm smarter than that. I'm more mature than that. And sometimes it's really about seeing past their age and, and looking at them as something a lot more than what their number, their age really does, does tend to show.
0: Mm -hmm. So you obviously have a passion for this and connecting with Uh, and impacting and inspiring teens and young adults. Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code, The Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L.com slash podcast, and don't forget to use the code, The Trauma Therapist. To get 15% off your first month, make 2024 your best best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. From your own experience, did you get that? Was there a particular therapist that just like inspired you or on the other side, was there one, was it we like, you know, stop.
1: You know, growing up when I was in therapy, it wasn't that a teenage, uh, a therapist was inspirational. I found the, the importance of them. I had older female therapists. I never really went to a male therapist going up. I don't know why. I think my parents thought I would connect with a, a woman because I was more of an emotional-driven uh, kid. Still am. I'm a very emotionally aware man. I'm very emotionally in tune. Uh, I think that's partly because of my ADHD, which makes me very vulnerable and emotional. Like I can share and be authentic and not worry about that backlash or judgment of looking weak, having emotions. So they, I think they thought that women and female therapists also therapists are usually more female oriented um, position. Mm -hmm. But that being said, my mentors were from the youth organization, I was involved in the same youth organization as a kid. So my mentors and the people I looked up to the male figures in my life, I said to myself, I want to be that for someone else, I want to be able to give that person to look up to, and to kind of, have that person to talk to, to rely on. So that's why I got involved in the youth organization, which gave me my passion for wanting to be a a licensed personality, a licensed person to help them actually with practical, real research-based tools than just a nice, uh, deep, meaningful conversation or a chit chat or a hangout. Um, I wanted something deeper and actually more real, changing than just the surface. Nice,
0: nice. So elevation. Yeah. How did that come about? What is it? Well, it started because
1: of when I was a licensed master social worker in LMSW, I couldn't have a private practice. So, um, I didn't have someone to supervise me, uh, legal things and all the kind of jargon that we get into as therapists. Um, so I wanted to find a way to reach people to create a more, um, digestible and approachable mental health. So I created Elevation as an Instagram account. Um, I think my friend, his name is Neil. He said, Oh, that'd be such a cute name, you know, elevate elevation. Oh, great. And he's the one who came up with the name. Shout out to him. Um, and <laughs> oh, so
0: Ellie, yeah. elevation. And Ellie elevation.
1: Oh, that's so great. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I started the, the Instagram account and little by little, just posting real things about mental health, about honesty, about mental health, authentic mental health, and kind of getting into the role of what the modern therapist is today, which is more out there on social media, talking about things on social media. And now my, my handle is Ellie Weinstein underscore LCSW because now I'm an LCSW. And I made the website to be a place to kind of find for speaking engagements and that kind of stuff. Um, And it's going to be part of my new website. It's going to be a piece of my, my more professional website, but it is something that I'm passionate about, about speaking to teenagers and to college campuses. And it, um, companies and organizations about approachable digestible mental health so that it's not all the jargon and the big words that therapists like to use, Mm -hmm. but something that's actually attainable that the people can understand and connect with and and hopefully grow from, and we'll see what happens with it, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, that's a, that's a good, uh, point you're making and an interesting topic in terms of, you know, uh, kind of a shift that's happening with mental health. Um, You know, I'm thinking of uh, Naomi Osaka, who the famous tennis player and her, uh, and there are countless other examples of uh, be they sports figures or even with Bruce Perry and Oprah's book. Yeah. Huge. Um, things are becoming much more uh, publicized and out in the open. What's your take on this shift and uh, how well, it's happening? What What does it look like to you?
1: Well, I personally love it because, as someone who has you know mental health diagnosis in the past and and currently struggles with ADHD and sometimes anxiety, like everyone else, I think it's important for to see people that look like they have it all together, that look like they're perfection in the world in the eyes. Of the world, whether it's Oprah, whether it's athletes like Kevin Love or Mark, DeRoz- um, Demar DeRozan on on um, on the Spurs, and even Naomi Osaka and all these other players who look like because they have money and success that they don't have problems, they don't have right. mental health struggles, but that they do. Because we as regular, quote unquote, humans need to understand that it happens to everyone. I think the numbers right now of the statistics, I think it's one in six people in your vicinity, or you might know one in six people struggle with mental health. There are billions of people on this earth. That's a massive number. So to create more normalization and taking away the stigma and talking about it more. And Bruce Perry, who is one of my books that I love, the books that I love to read is him and Oprah to do that is something that is now a new thing and therapists on social media, talking more about mental health, having more access to mental health ideas, topics, tips, and tools. Mm -hmm. And then if you like that, getting in touch with that therapist and hopefully getting services by them is something that is not as the older generation of therapists did and not that they weren't Mm -hmm. successful, but it's now a newer thing that I think is just making it more approachable and accessible, which I think is needed.
0: Right. And you know, you talked about, just being real and being authentic. Do you see your mission as that within the context of working with teens and, and young adults or, or what? No, I
1: think that's part of it. I think being authentic and real is just what it means to be a better human. I think the more authentic and real we are with ourselves and the people around us, it makes us just good. It makes us great. It makes us wonderful because we don't look like we have it together. I think there was this time and an age of therapists being put on a pedestal of being gods and goddesses being this, they have it all together and we don't. Mm. And I'm not saying that you need to divulge and there has to be a balance of how much you share as a therapist on your social media platforms, how much you're sharing in your office. Of course, you need to create those boundaries and ethics that you live by. It doesn't mean that I'm now gonna tell my clients, my social security number and my address and what, what fight I had with my wife the night before. Mm. That's not what I'm doing, but being authentic with struggles of being a, a father Struggles of being married, like just general ideas of I'm human, struggles happen. Here are some tips and tools that you can learn about. Just makes you more relatable when someone comes into your office. You're not this um, uh, cold hearted, removed person, but another human sitting across from you who has experiences, maybe not the same way, but maybe similar in some way that brought them into your office that they can kind of connect with you in some way. Mm -hmm. That's just my personal feeling. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong, but I know that is the more the movement that is happening with the modern therapist. That's it's coming out in, in, in the past five years or so. Mm
0: -hmm. So in terms of your quote unquote mission, that's part of it. What else is part of it? Would you say, Um,
1: I really just want to have mental health in people's homes. My biggest thing in life, I have goals. I have about six titles of books I would like to write write in, in the future. Um, Which hopefully that happens. I'm a terrible writer, which is why I have a podcast, Uh, but it's about kind of creating that place for people to have access to mental health and find someone that they can look up to find a voice that they can connect to Um, whether it's the, the Brene Brown of the, ne- the next generation that's a male, you know, because Brene Brown is changing the world on vulnerability and authenticity. And people look at her as this mm-hmm. amazing human being who's doing so much for the world. And she is changing the world on showing up in a different way. I would like to that my goal is to create that idea and be in people's homes when it comes to finding a healthy source of mental health tips, tools, and a role model for their life. Nice. I know it's a big deal. It's a big dream. It's a big dream.
0: Well, it's, you know, uh, as, as the saying goes, it takes one step. You start with one step, you know, and you're certainly there. How the heck did Kelly Clarkson come about? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I was literally sitting in my office. It was, I think a Monday I had a packed day on my schedule. My wife just got me AirPods and I had my AirPods in and I was, you know, listening to music, typing notes. And all of a sudden my phone exploded. I got a LinkedIn message all through my website, through, um, I don't know, my phone, just every aspect or a way of social media, I was reached out to by the producers of Kelly Clarkson, because they were doing a little piece on mental health and fatherhood. It was in the beginning of the show. I think they were finding different pieces. I think it was like a mental health Monday. I forgot their tagline, whatever it was. And they were hosting um, um, the main person. His name is uh, Muhammad. his, uh, His account is called Chronicles of a Daddy. And he's like really bringing light to the black community males men fathers in the black community showing up for their family and they wanted a therapist and they wanted someone who liked one of his posts i think and that one of the and they found me i don't know how and it was supposed to be a little segment with me just alone about mental health and fatherhood of course as tv goes that got kind of cut but in the end i was on the couch talking to kelly clarkson about mental health and fatherhood and it was a really amazing experience and i'm still trying to work on things with them and figure things out and who knows what happens in the future
0: wow very cool
1: yeah. And she's a really nice person, by the way. Very cool. Really, she's actually really nice. She gave me a big hug and nice. she whispered in my ear. She says, thank you for moving all your clients for me. Cause I had to move my schedule around. Oh. Like she actually noticed and it was, it was, it was a great experience.
0: Good for you. Good for you. Well, look, man, you are one, one inspiring dude. Um, tell us about your podcast.
1: So I have a podcast called the dude therapist. It's called that because I'm a dude who happens to be a therapist, uh, bringing kind of a male voice to mental health. Uh, but I talk about all things across mental health and wellness and motivation. I have guests on, I have my own things, my own monologues. I've been doing it for about a year or so. Um, and it's really exciting for me. I love connecting with other people, uh, other mental health professionals, other wellness, people in the wellness world, kind of bringing a voice to um, growing and success. And it's really fun for me. It's a hobby of mine. Um, and uh, I love it. I really do. It's, I really love it. And Who knows where, where that takes me, but as of now, I really don't care. I'm just enjoying it.
0: Awesome. So the dude therapist, uh, what's the best way for people to reach, reach you Ellie
1: um, through the dude therapist.
0: Okay. Yeah. In general. Yeah. And the dude well, therapist.
1: I have a social media account, Ellie Weinstein underscore LCSW on, on Instagram. I have an Instagram, the dude therapist, which is my podcast. And uh, soon to have a website, Ellie Weinstein, LCSW.com. My old website is elevation.org dot com was taken so uh just trying you know you can reach out any way possible and you can listen to my podcast on itunes spotify and any other podcast hosting site
0: all right awesome as we wind down here how about a go-to book recommendation whether therapy related or not what do you got
1: so one of my i have two of my favorite i'll give you two of my favorite books one of my favorite books is the last lecture I think his last name is pouch or pouch. Uh, yeah. And he passed away. It's basically, he was a professor, I think in Pittsburgh. And he gave like a last talk that he wanted to enlighten and give his kids and his children and his students and his family, like a last goodbye. I think there was a YouTube video about yeah, it, a there speech, but the book has is so moving. I read mm-hmm. it every couple of years as a father, as someone who tries to connect with my child, it is something that brings me to tears every time I read it because it's so beautiful and moving. The lessons he learned and the one the things he wanted to impart for his kids that are actually valuable and meaningful. When it comes to therapy and mental health, I really I read a lot of nonfiction books. Um, I love reading, and I would say the two moving books that I I, I go to is. Um, Raised by Dogs by Bruce Perry is one of my favorite, Dr. Bruce Perry, one of my favorite books on trauma, just the on, boy who was raised, the boy as raised a dog. by a dog. Yeah. yeah, I always get that wrong. The boy is raised by a dog. And um, I'm really into Brene Brown, just because it's such a simple, easy read. And it's something that you can connect to. And I, I just find her relatable. And uh, of course, Bessel van der Kolk, you know, uh, when the body keeps the score. So but the, really, Dr. Perry, I can read anything by Dr. Perry. I love his book Born for Love as well. A wonderful, wonderful book.
0: Awesome awesome ellie thank you man um check out the dude uh therapist uh and congrats on doing getting the 50 episodes thank you thank you it's exciting, very cool you know? very cool um all right brother man i really appreciate it um so once you get that new url or website up we can connect there put everything on the show notes page for sure it's from the therapist podcast.com awesome brother all right man take care
1: thank you so much all right